0: This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession. All right, guys, welcome back to the Western Obsessions TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ready Nutrition. Optimize your performance in the gym and in the outdoors. Live ready. My guest today is Ben Zawalski. You like how I practiced your last name before you came on, Ben?
1: I'm very proud of you that I get you it. I right? practice many things, but the fact that you practice my last name makes me happy.
0: I <laughs> don't practice many things <laughs> guys. Ben is on today. Ben owns a company called Wad prep, uh, all about helping people do CrossFit better. RX your workouts better. Um, super cool guy just got into uh hunting a few years ago i've been like taking him under my wing a little bit showing some things he's been showing me some things of what not to do so sometimes i do things the wrong way (laughs) 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 right (laughs) i do i don't say the wrong way i do them my way which is probably not the right way
1: but kurt kurt's special way and hey it, it works well for you look at look at the wall behind you man
0: yeah, I mean, I still get some stuff done. Just because you know, guys say you have to do it this way doesn't mean it has to be done that way. It might be more effective that way, but like, if you got your own way, do it right. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm a testament to that. Ben, man, you started hunting a couple of years ago. Tell me about like, tell me about that barrier of entry to get into hunting.
1: Oh, that. that's definitely a very real thing. Um, so the reason I got into hunting is because one of my best friends, his name is Gary. He moved out to Colorado a few years before I moved here. And he was telling me about this new hobby he got into, which was archery elk hunting. He hadn't killed one yet, but he was like, you have to try it with me. It's unbelievable. You're going to love it. And of course I'm like, roll my eyes. Kind of like, all right, Gary, whatever. At the time, um, this is four years ago. I, I've been a, like a semi-pro fisherman in the past, like I used to be a shark fishing guide. I used to fish um, really competitively on the bass tour, but hunting was never a thing that I was very, I don't know, interested in. I, my view of hunting was just like, I don't know, you're killing killing animals for a trophy. Like I don't understand it. And what's cool is that Gary, because I had this trusted friend, he was able to like explain to me how hunting actually is the number one preserver of land in at least I know the United States, probably the world. Um, And went on to tell me about like all the actual like positive benefits of hunting, both for the animals and for uh, natural resources, land management, stuff like that. And I was intrigued. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. And eventually he was able to convince me to, he's like, You have to do it. I I held out for a couple of years in Colorado. And then I eventually was like, all right, I'll do it. Tell me what to buy. And I bought a bow and, you know, started shooting and bought all the gear. And I had to, you know, get them to send me all these gear lists. But when I was getting into it, I felt so stupid because as an, as someone who had done zero hunting ever, like you're talking about, like, I've never even, you know, I don't know. I've never hunted a white-tailed deer. I've never, like I've never done anything. Never hunted a duck. I literally have no idea what I'm doing coming into what's like one of the hardest versions of hunting backcountry elk hunting with a, with a bow. And I still remember going to the bow shop and like, I showed up there and I'm like, Hey guys, like I'm a beginner. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I have this list of stuff that my buddy Gary, my hunting partner says that I should get. And of course they're like, all right, you know, like not necessarily extremely bubbly and happy to see me, uh probably because I pulled up in my Tesla and <laughs> and, then, and then they uh you know, I proceeded to to get some help from a guy, but anytime they'd ask me like a question like like how many grains do you want your arrows? I'm like, I don't even know what that means, guys, uh, <laughs> so uh, let me ask Gary, you know like whatever would potentially kill an elk, I guess, you know, what kind of side do you want? A three pin slider, five pin? Like and I'm like, I don't know what that means either guys. Um, so I'm just going to ask Eric. And then I remember like the third question that they should have known that I don't know the answer to. I was, I was basically looking for their guidance too. And which they kind of weren't really willing to give. Eventually. I still remember the, uh, I was like, they asked me another question. They're like, what kind of, do you want a stabilizer on it? You know, I'm like, I don't know. Like, let me ask Gary. And the guy's like, is Gary going to pull the bow back for you too and shoot it? And I'm just like, and this was like in front of a bunch of people. And I'm just like demoralized. So (laughs) long story long, uh, the, uh, the learning curve to get into hunting, I'd say was, was, it was challenging and it was a little scary. Like I have enough self-confidence or I can, you know, I can take one on the chin. I can be, you know, made fun of by a guy in the bow shop and it's not going to bother me too much. But I, I definitely realized that like it's, it's kind of daunting, especially for someone that doesn't have a mentor of some sort to help teach them the ropes and explain to them the various terminologies and the things it'd be very, very difficult for, for someone to have any confidence to know what they're doing and to get started. Um, so luckily, Gary was able to help me get into it. And then really early on, Kurt, uh, a friend of a friend introduced me to you or one of our mutual friends introduced me to you. And you know, we hit it off and, and had a great year of hunting. Um, and I learned a lot from you. So without those two mentors, man it would have been really difficult to even follow through all the way and start hunting like I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, macho man ego that especially when a guy is trying to get into hunting it makes it really challenging now if I was a very attractive young blonde girl and went into that bow shop I have a feeling I would have had stellar <laughs> treatment but it's just it was it was very interesting to to get the it was hard hard to get started but now that I'm through all that, like I'm on the other side and and I have a lot more confidence and I kind of have a slight inkling of what I'm doing, but for beginner, beginner hunters in general, man, it's, it's tough. There's so much terminology. There's so many rules. I still don't know how the tags and bonus point system really work. I don't think anyone does. (laughs) Like it's, it's (laughs) tough. It's really tough.
0: Yeah, dude, man. And you know, I'm calling this adult onset hunting, right? Like you didn't grow up with as a kid. And that's where most people learn hunting is through their family growing up and, right. and there's a lot more guys that are in your situation. And I'll definitely get into that, but man, I want to go back to this bow shop and that sucks, man. And that's part of the, that's a big negative. Of the part of this industry is there's a lot of ego in the industry and a new guy coming in, wanting to spend money in their business and not just spend a little bit of money. You're ready to drop a lot of money. You, got, you needed everything
1: right? For them
0: to treat you that way. That's one. I know the bow shop you're talking about. That's one of the reasons why I don't go back there anymore because of a a few of those incidences, but which is a big part problem of the industry, man. Like, you know, I think the hunting world in general, we need new hunters into the industry to help fund and fuel the conservation of our sport. Right. So Mm -hmm. you guys like you are super important and it sucks, man, that you had that experience, but it's a good thing. You found a good guy like me to, to help you out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah you've always been you've always been too nice to me
0: Kurt you've been so nice I know I'm just too nice of a guy no 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 and I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do re- real quick Ben you've actually like since I met you I remember I was talking about a little bit of business stuff because you're into business stuff I'm into business stuff and we wrap on that quite a bit too is I since I met you you have given me the idea and the inspiration to start a company called Hunt Mentor I'm still getting it off the ground but like you know there's a lot of business mentors out there that will say, pick your, you know, reverse engineer, your, your absolute favorite or your, your client, right? Like imagine your client, who that is down to a T and then base your company based upon your dream client. You are the person I have based this company off. of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, 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 the low IQ, high ego, uh <laughs> tesla
0: driving denver right is that it yeah that's no no it's it's the on adult onset person getting yeah. into hunting that just man the barrier of entry is enormous and even western like you went from like not knowing anything of hunting and going into the absolute hardest part of hunting is western backpack archery mm-hmm. elk hunting that's like the hardest so like that barrier of entry is enormous
1: and and loved every second of it you know and and, and still my first season actually got I had a shot opportunity. Um, and I, I did miss it or I did hit it in the front shoulder blade and it didn't do anything. Cause I was using the wrong broad head anyway. Uh, but still just the fact that like, I got out there and got to experience it. I still remember. Um, yeah. Like when I heard my first bugle in the woods, I just like, I turned to Gary and I was just like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Like This is the most, like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever done. And I've done a lot. I've won a lot of money fishing. I've, had a lot of very adrenaline filled stuff in my life. Um, but that was that was the cream of the crop. And I I still, you know, I, I still am just super thankful for having people like you, Kurt, and having Gary and having some other people who were able to to get me into it and and let me ask the stupid questions. And now I can say with confidence, I am I will be unavailable all September until the day I die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. Uh, so let me ask you this. Why did you choose bow hunting over shotgun, rifle, muzzleloader, all the different types of hunting you can do? Why did you choose? Yeah. bow?
1: So honestly, it was probably because Gary, that's, that's what he chose was, was bow hunting. And he's similar to me, like hadn't done much hunting and then just kind of learned it all himself and made a ton of mistakes his first few seasons. And, and he was like, September is the best. Like you got to do September and it's archery season and it's awesome. Um, And he probably found, he probably heard it on like Joe Rogan, right? Like that's probably what he probably heard it on the Rogan podcast. And then um, that's what made him do it. So realistically, that's why, but I always tend to, I don't know. Like I always tend to do the most challenging version of things. I, I very rarely start with like, oh, let's just try this like beginner, you know, version of something and then we'll eventually make it hard. It's like, no, I like to go all in with everything that I do, whether that's like the equipment that I buy or the the um, you know, the the level of difficulty that I try to enter into, I always tend to try the harder version of everything. So that's why bow hunting.
0: Do you think that leads you to some disappointment and rejection and stuff like that? Not just oh, yeah. in hunting, but like in life too, maybe, Huh?
1: I mean, probably. Um, but also there's like an extreme satisfaction if you, if you do it the hard way. Um, but I, I mean, certainly in the elk woods and in all of the woods, right. Bell hunting has made it very difficult. Like I've, I've just, because of, doing archery, I've, you know, missed whitetail deer because my arrow hit a branch, you know, if if it was a shotgun or a rifle, not a problem. I've had shot opportunities on turkeys that I still have not killed a turkey with the bow. And I've had shot opportunities where if I was using a shotgun, I'd have a bird down for sure. Um, so there's a, a lot of, I could be successful, but for me, it's like, I, I think in order to become if I want to become a really good hunter, I think that having a bow in my hand makes it so that I have to become a really good hunter to get the shot opportunities to, um, you know, actually put an animal on the ground. And then that's just going to make all the other hunting easy. Cause like, I actually, I did go rifle elk hunting this year in third rifle season, Um, or maybe it was fourth. I think it was fourth. Anyway, over Thanksgiving, I went, had a cow tag and I filled it, right? uh kind of i mean it was hard but it was like wow that's a lot easier when you can shoot 350 yards um yeah but i have a feeling that starting the hard way and and going through the the tough challenge of failed you know eating tag soup as they say that's gonna when i start filling tags more consistently that's going to be something that's going to make it easier across the board you know the rifle hunts will be easier the bow hunting you know i'll have more feathers in my cap things like that
0: yeah and i'm with you too man i really enjoy the difficult hunts the challenging hunts i do both i do a rifle shotgun bow and i actually i almost gave up my bow last year i think i was t- i text you like right after i'm like i'm selling all my archery equipment buy all my shit i'm done hunting because i hit a, a nice bowl with my bow and i didn't recover it and i know like if i had a muzzleloader or a rifle he would probably have been dead within yards but like it's and it's not like the disappointment of my failure it was more of I wounded that animal and maybe it's fatal maybe it's not because I was using archery equipment and I'll take that a step further and you know obviously I didn't hit him perfect or you know that could go back to me practicing more with my boat right but Mm -hmm. but anyway it's it's much more difficult and and I, I do like the challenge where there's sometimes I'm like It's, it's so frustrating that I'm like, just give me a gun. (laughs) Yeah, And that's,
1: I think Kurt, if if I'm not mistaken, I think we're bringing one bow and one rifle to Alaska this year. So that's right. I'm I'm excited that you'll have my insurance policy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And what Ben is talking about, we're going on a cool hunt together. We're going to Attic Island, uh, and Alaska for a a caribou hunt, which is my first caribou hunt. My first time in Alaska. I think your first too, right? Yeah and i'm super pumped about it even though i know the weather's going to be terrible rainy windy but we'll get through it
1: as long as we set our expectations really low with the weather i'm yeah. not expecting to see any caribou and i'm not expecting to have any sun yeah. so with those expectations
0: if we get sunlight and see a caribou man we're going to have a blast <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah yeah all right well that's you know that's kind of your journey into hunting where do you think this is going to take you Like, I know it's kind of hard to, to know and say, but in your mind right now, where do you see hunting for the next five, 10, 15 years for you?
1: Hmm. It's a good question. I, I have a feeling. So with you, Kurt, I've, I've tried out several different aspects of hunting, right? Like I've gone on a bear hunt in Canada, uh, which is over bait. Um, we've gone to Hawaii, which is beautiful and sunny and there's just deer everywhere, you know, uh, access deer. Um, I've done hog hunting, I've done I've done all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> I realize that I over the next 10 to 15 years, I'm probably gonna narrow down my scope of what kind of hunting I really like. I much prefer spot and stalk boots on the ground hunting over stand hunting um so that kind of eliminates like i don't think i'll ever hunt bear over bait again i don't think i'm ever gonna hunt hogs over bait again because it just like i don't know it just feels weird like especially the bears they don't even they're not even scared of you they look at you and then they right so like i just didn't feel like hunting they don't know that what you much. are yeah right um so doing stuff over bait is probably not ideal. I'm sure there, there might be some scenarios where that's, you know, it's valid or something that, you know, I would be okay doing. But I really like boots on the back boots in the ground, um, archery hunting, or just backcountry hunting in general. Like, you know, the, the rifle hunt that I did uh was frustrating, but that's because of how many people were around and because it wasn't in the backcountry. It was like on the side of the road essentially. But I could I think anything that gets me like out into the into the woods, uh, is something that I really like. And then I, I'll probably just refine my hunting and, and, and like realize that there's a few hunts I really like, uh, obviously elk hunting in September is certainly number one for me right now. There's probably going to be some other ones that I try out, whether it's, um, um, like Sika deer on the Eastern shore of Maryland, uh, where I'm from is an interesting one to me really starting to get on whitetail and like pattern them. I realized that doing that with a tree stand is something that you do, but I I loved having my like little uh, self climber. And I like went into the woods, picked out a tree, climbed the tree, and then literally got to the top, turned around, there's my buck. And I shot it with my bow. Like that was awesome. Cause that felt like it was very much DIY to me. Um, I, I feel like I'm just going to keep trying out different hunts, probably go on some, some fancy trips with you. Just like this caribou hunt. i Don't necessarily see myself doing that every year, but um, every few years visiting somewhere new and trying a really cool hunt, like red stag would be awesome. But I think what's cool, the thing, the reason I'm so attracted to hunting is like the reason I was attracted to fishing and the reason I like CrossFit is like, it takes a lot of time to become a master. And the only way to become a master at it is to spend time in the woods. The only way to become a master fisherman is to spend time on the water. The only way to be good at CrossFit is to do a lot of CrossFit workouts. Mm. Um, And I've kind of mastered the CrossFit. You know, I've been doing CrossFit for 15 years now, which is crazy. Um, It's over, it's like half of my life, almost half my life. And I've been fishing for way longer than that. And, you know, I've mastered certain aspects of that. So I'm excited to have something completely new to me, completely foreign and already in just... This coming up in my third year, already it's, uh, I can see like that learning curve getting faster and I can see myself picking up some cues, like things that I learned on one hunt, I can apply to a different hunt. And I'm, I'm like really starting to put together this, this puzzle. And eventually I'm, I'm going to hopefully become a master hunter. And that excites me because the only way to do it, the satisfaction that comes with becoming a master of something, um, you have to do the hard work to get there. So
0: yeah and it's not only do you have to do the hard work and be in the woods in especially elk woods but you need to be in game too because there's i know guys have hunted for 30 years every year but have never really been in game that often and they're not even close to being an expert hunter because they haven't been in that situation of trying to get a shot off on an animal and that's and that was that was what was really cool about this past year elk
1: season like you know, in fishing, like doing fishing tournaments all over the the map, there was like, there are some tournaments where you get information, right? Like, like you're legally, you know, you're allowed to like talk to other people. And like, I would have some connections and then get some info on a lake. And they'd be like, oh, go to this spot, throw this lure. It's great. And then sometimes you do it and it would work. And it was cool. But man, there's something about just like finding them on your own. Some of the best, some of the biggest tournaments that I won in the fishing industry or in bass fishing were tournaments where I found them, you know, where like I had a theory, I went out, I found them, figured out what lure they were biting and I dominated. And that was really, really cool. So it was awesome. This past elk season with no info, I just kind of went out there and I, and you know, with, I had some, um, I did a lot of studying on like elk patterns and learned from some people like during the day they do this and during the evening they do this and, I went out and I found a, a ton of elk and even, even you, Kurt, when you came out with me, they were acting weird, but you are like, dude, there are so many bulls here. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really cool because we stayed on elk all of September. Yeah. We being beginner hunters, we missed a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities. Um, uh, my buddy Gary and I too many, and it's very sad thinking about it, but <laughs> the amount, the amount of animals that we were around, um, I was very special. So, I agree with you there. Like you you have to be able to get on them. And man, it feels awesome when you have a theory, you find them and you get on them all by yourself without having a guide say, Yep, they're right over there. It feels awesome.
0: I, yeah, man, I, I'm with you 100% because I do guided hunts. And I, the reason why I do them, I, tr- I trade them out a lot of times with some of the business stuff that I do, but because I like to go on a lot of adventures, but it's just not the same when you're on a guided hunt and you're, you're handheld a little bit and they're saying, Hey, here's where the animals usually are. Let's go see. And they're glass and they're helping. It's fun, but it's not the same of, of doing it on your own, like picking a spot out within thousands and thousands of acres in the mountains to say, all right, I'm going to go up here and see if I can figure this out. And when you find them, like you did, man, that's, it's just more rewarding that way. Yeah. Um, do you think, all right. So like, obviously people have been hunting in these mountains for centuries do you think there's a spot out there that's not been discovered? Let's just say Colorado.
1: Yes, hundred percent. You think so? Because I, mean, I want to
0: believe that.
1: Because with just like with fishing, right? Like technically, every square inch of the lake probably has been fished, right? Kind of, but due to pressure and due to just changing weather patterns, snowpack, like there are there are sweet spots that exist every single year. I would assume just like there are on, on the lake, there are sweet spots that exist that people do not find. Like there are elk paradise that for whatever reason, maybe the year before someone was there and they weren't there, but then this year they'll be loaded there. Um, so I, I think it's like on a year by year basis. Yeah, there's there's a whole pile of elk that people don't find. There is a honey hole that exists. Um, like I always say, they're biting somewhere right on, on the lake. Um, and I think that, you know, they're bugling somewhere and they're, they're there. It's just about, you you don't really know, uh, where that's going to be. And that's like the beauty of hunting is like, you might have a sp- like. What's interesting is like, you know, I'm excited to go back to the spot that I found last year, but I'm also like kind of worried. I'm like, so worried. I'm going to get back there. There's going to be no elk. And I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm ruined, you know, like yeah. I'm lost um because like you remember me telling you I was like hey man I found a herd of 35 legal bulls and you're like huh like, what?" <laughs> yeah. I was like I swear dude I counted I counted every single individual elk every single individual bull with my spotting scope and there were 35 of them and you're like that's kind of crazy you know but they I'm won't like, be there
0: what elk preserver you want <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: There was a there was like a there was a gate that said like no trespassing elk farm. Did you think that <laughs> yeah. <anything> do? <laughs> kidding everyone kidding? This was OTC public <laughs> land. Um but yeah, I, I, I think there there are some honey holes or sweet spots. And what's so funny is like you you will never know how close you got to them, right? Like there are there was some stuff last year that I found where I'm like, I have never seen so much elk sign in my entire life. Like, do you remember actually hiking that the backside of that one bowl? And yeah. We we're Like, it was like the gnarliest hike ever. Like, what would we have done if we shot somebody back there? Like, I have no idea. We would have just Good. <laughs> stayed back there. But it was like an elk highway. It's like every square inch was beaten down with fresh elk tracks. It's like, all right, at some point, this was the money spot. We just, we just missed it. Yeah. Um, really interesting stuff. Yeah.
0: Because I, I have this fantasy, right, of, and it's a fantasy that, there's a there's places out there that no one's ever been and it's just loaded with beautiful big bull elk. They're bugling and zero pressure. They haven't seen humans. And I know it's more of a fantasy, but like I think this year, me, you, maybe Brad, I think our goal this year should be to like find that fantasy spot. And in my head, it's like the most remote, remote. Right, it's spot 28
1: ever. miles in the backcountry.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you can't get there. Without a helicopter or something, that in my head, that's like that's the spot, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's funny. Uh, at at the uh, at the elk shape camp I was on, uh, Mark Livesey, what, he has like an e scouting course that he that he you know has Tree Line Academy, and he in in explaining in like demonstrating how to find elk spots, he showed us one of those spots, Kurt. He's like, look, I found this spot and I'm not afraid to show it to you guys because it's 19 miles or maybe it's 36 miles deep or something like that. And he's like, and you can see here, we've got these chain meadows. We've got these, you know, bowls, like everything's perfect. And I want you to look at something. And he zooms in and there's elk all over the Google maps image. There are literally elk, like you can see them with the, like like you can see the elk from (laughs) the satellite imagery. And it, and it was Elk paradise. So they exist out there. Exist. They exist.
0: Yeah. We should find that this year, but let's segue a little bit, man. You're super into fitness. You've had a, a Ben's very successful with his online coaching business called Wad prep. Um, let's talk about fitness, man, and talk about your business and kind of how that may correlate into hunting a little bit.
1: How do yeah. you start? So I started with one of my high school teachers told me about this crazy workout routine. He had started with crazy pull-ups called CrossFit. And I tried it out. This was back in 2008. I tried it out, tried my first workout, threw up everywhere because I obviously chugged a giant protein smoothie right before working out like all bodybuilders, you know, should do. And, uh, I just remember like looking at the scores that other people had submitted on the website, like their times for how fast they got the workout done. And I was just like, what? There's people that are 10 years older than me that are beating me in this workout. Like this is ridiculous. (laughs) Um, So I got hooked and then eventually started coaching in college. And then when I graduated college, started my own CrossFit gym called blue crab CrossFit in Maryland, which still exists. There's two locations today and I eventually sold that got married moved to Japan because she was in the military Um, she was a helicopter pilot for the U.S. Navy moved to Japan and then in that move kind of came up with this idea of like man other people teach things on the internet maybe I can teach CrossFit on the internet and make a business of it and just keeping my head down and grinding for those first several years eventually it turned into what I would call a real business and now um, today I have you know 15 contractors, employees, you know, depending on, you know, which person it is working for me. And we uh, have customers all across the world and it's been great. And what's cool for me that not necessarily related to the business side of things, but because I've done CrossFit this whole time, it was really awesome to be able to like a lot of people need to train very hard for backcountry elk hunting. Right. I didn't, I just, did my normal stuff and I was able to get in the elk woods and put in a ton of mileage. Like last year we did 314 miles or something like that over the course of the month of September and a little bit of August scouting. So all those miles carrying a heavy backpack. um, There's no way I would have been able to do that without my CrossFit training. So it's cool that CrossFit has prepared me to do the hardest version of other things like backcountry elk hunting
0: yeah and i do crossfit too and I, I that's my preferred fitness method and but i will say that no matter you know crossfit across the workout on average is what 13 14 minutes on average depending on what type of workout right
1: yeah of actual exertion probably
0: yeah i mean it's an hour long if you do skill and strength and then you you do your your um metcon right. um so for me it it doesn't correlate a lot into the elk woods physically. Mm -hmm. It does because, okay, I'm in shape. My body has built muscle and I have some endurance. I can do that. But if a lot of days, man, I'm hiking for most of the day. So I'm spending eight hours a day working out, carrying a pack Mm -hmm. where CrossFit correlates very well for me into the elk woods is the mental toughness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like not to quit on a workout, push through the workout, that mental toughness you build that's where it correlates for me and the elk especially when you're on day, like, I don't know, nine, and it's been raining on you for three days and you haven't seen an elk for four. Like you want to like, fuck this. I'm going home. I quit. Right. But like that mental toughness will keep you in the field. And that's what it's yep. about being in the field. The longer you be in the, 100%. Field, in
1: the field. CrossFit, CrossFit does a great job of exposing you to suffering, Uh, you know, five times a week, if you do it five times a week. Right. And, and that's, that's it. Like that's the carryover. Yeah. Having, having the muscle and being strong and, but like, I'm not doing weighted backpack step ups. I'm not going for long rocks. Like, yeah, I can do all that. But honestly, that shit kind of beats up your body. Um, CrossFit doesn't beat up my body very much. Cause I, I do it intelligently, but like, I'm going, I'm going to go to the gym at one thirty today. And like, I will, like, I will suffer today. It will be pain. Like there will be a moment today where I want to quit. And I won't. And I hope I won't. I won't. And I'm going to keep grinding and I'm going to get done and I'm going to feel really good after. And what's so cool is that every time I expose myself to that, it carries over to doing hard things elsewhere. So, you know, backcountry elk hunting, the amount of times Gary and I said to, said to each other last season, like, we're doing this voluntarily, (laughs) right? Like, like sending it up a ravine and like, walking oh my gosh kurt remember when you and i walked through deadfall for like you know however many hours (laughs) just like the dead the deadest of deadfall like there was eight different layers of pine trees stacked (laughs) on top of each other and we're like poking ourselves and falling and just miserable Miserable. and we're just like we we're doing this voluntarily this is we tell people this is fun Um, (laughs) the only reason the only way we can get through that and not quit is how often we expose ourselves to mental stress and come out the other side um, unscathed, or at least, you know, we conquer it. And that's, that's the carryover to the upwoods. hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And you know, with that being said, I, I kind of look at, there's, there's a big wave of archery backpack elk hunters. I think because of Joe Rogan's podcast or Cam Haynes or mm-hmm. You know, someone wanting to get into hunting, that's the coolest, perceivably coolest hunt, right? Is the archery elk hunt. But a lot of people are not equipped for that. And that's probably not where they should start. You're different, man, because you had the mental toughness and that's just who you are as your character to like, I'm going all in. I don't give a shit if I don't kill anything for five years, that's what I want to do. But I think most people starting in hunting, that's probably not where they should start just because- They don't have the physical capability, they don't have the mental toughness, and you don't see success right away, and you're not going to enjoy that hunt. A lot of people won't. What's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, um, I agree. Um, My, I would say hunting, the way I would suggest people, like if you're trying to get into hunting and you're trying to, or maybe even like if you're trying to introduce someone else to hunting, I think there's a lot of people maybe listening who like they really want to get their their son or their daughter into it, or they want a friend to try it out with them. Um, unless it's a very unique case like Gary did to me, where we shit we thrive on misery together. He's a crossfitter too, like we thrive on that and love it. The way I would introduce people to hunting or even try it myself if I was a normal human being, is the same thing I would say about fitness. You need to find something, like if you want to have a fitness habit and fall in love with fitness, you need to find something that kind of scratches the itch of having fun because if if you introduce someone to fitness and it's just misery all the time, they're not going to want to do it, right? unless unless they they think that it helps them with something else. So with hunting, Like when you're trying to get your children into it, when you're trying to get your, you know, your friends into it, your family into it, you should probably start with something that that gets you around animals, um, puts you in the red zone, so to speak, pretty quickly and pretty often. Um, It's just like my dad got me into fishing. Guess what? My dad didn't get me into fishing by taking me on an offshore tuna trip where you basically just sit in and troll for you know 8 hours to get maybe one bite right instead what he did is he took me to a pond that was loaded with bluegill and we absolutely whacked them right <laughs> like we crushed them and and we did that a bunch and then eventually i remember oh my gosh what is this thing and it was a bass and then that was like oh my this is so much cooler than bluegill right so like i got introduced to something that <clears throat> I got a lot of practice reps. I got a lot of fun. And then eventually like that introduced me to the next level. And then it turned into like full blown bass fishing tournament obsession where I could go three days without a bite and still be like, I'm going to catch them, you know, like, (laughs) so. I think doing that with hunting would would be something like, like I've heard from multiple people like pheasant hunts, amazing. Right. Or hunting with dogs, um, you know, basically like bird hunting, where you get a lot of shot opportunities. You can practice, know not panicking when you pull the trigger but even if you do it's not a big deal because you'll just miss and then you can shoot the next one that flies by right those kinds of opportunities like if i was introduced to hunting that way as a kid yeah i probably would have fallen in love with hunting and and not tortured myself with the bow for 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 three (laughs) years to start um so i i think there's a lot of validity in that but then you do have there's a large contingent of people that are probably similar to me where it's like hey man i want to do it i want to do it i want to do it right and i put that in air quote because i don't think this is right or wrong but if, if i'm going to do it i want to do it like i'm all in what's the most all-in way to do this it's like well yeah archery you know i guess i could have gone more hardcore and started with a trad bow thankfully i did but uh <laughs> but it was archery and backcountry otc elk right like not even we're not paying for a special unit we're not getting any guides let's just start with the hardest hardest thing imaginable and work our way up from there. And that, that excites me. I really like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. For me, if I wanted someone to, to enjoy hunting, I take them turkey hunting because they get the, I, know idea. Right up. I hate
1: turkey so much.
0: <laughs>
1: Everyone, I just got back from a, from a six day turkey hunting trip back to Maryland where uh, my, that high school teacher that actually introduced me to CrossFit he is a, at one point was a professional turkey hunting guide. And then he's like, we are on more gobblers this year than we ever have been before. And sure enough, when I get there, nope, not a bird in six days. <laughs> not, or we saw birds, but didn't have any shot opportunities. So, um, and obviously I've traveled to Kurt to the depths of Mexico and not killed any birds. So, so I disagree. Turkey hunting sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ben, you've had a, a different, definitely a, a anomaly of an experience with Turkey, but typically, you know, and I'm coming from the Midwest where the turkeys are pretty plentiful and you have private farms and we grew up on a farm there and, you know, you take them out in the woods and you hear the gobble first light gobbles and it gets excited and you can see the birds strutting around and usually your shot, like you, it's, you get a higher chance of getting a shot. It's still not super high, but like higher than you would if you're out elk hunting with a bow or, you know, doing something that are more difficult, but that usually is my gateway into hunting for people. Um, But yeah, you've had definitely a a different experience with Turkey.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But I would say another gateway would be, um, I mean, like shoot a state like Maryland. I had no idea how, how amazing the hunting was out there, but like in Maryland um, most counties have unlimited doe tags, Mm. which means you can, you can shoot as many does as you want, Um, Because that's how terribly overpopulated the deer are. So I don't think I went on a single sit last year, or maybe only one sit where I didn't have a shot opportunity on a doe. Right. So like, that would be a great opportunity, especially if someone trying to get more reps in the red zone for archery going on like a hog hunt in the Midwest where there's hogs everywhere or going on, you know, a doe hunt or just a deer, white tail deer hunt, and, and obviously not hold out for a buck, but shoot a doe. There's a lot of places where you can get a lot of shot opportunities with kind of whatever weapon you're trying to get those opportunities with, because that's the only way. Like the only way you're going to learn how to not punch the trigger. Yeah, you can practice a lot on the 3D target, but until there's a live animal that's moving around and you start panicking, um, you're not going to know how you handle yourself in those situations. So the more reps you can get, the the better.
0: Yep, agreed, and that's a good point. Overpopulated states with those, that's that'd be a great gateway also. So at this point, man, you've been hunting for two years. Has it been two or three?
1: Yep. Last two. year, last year was my second elk season. So
0: this will be three. This
1: will be my third.
0: What would you say is your most memorable hunting moment to this point?
1: Oh, man, that's tough.
0: There's probably a few of them.
1: There's a few really good ones. But man, the number one <clears throat> was I called in. So Gary and I were about halfway through the season. I think it was like the, maybe 13th or 14th of September. Halfway through the season, we found this herd of elk um, that was kind of like close to some private land. Um, but we knew they were coming on public every day. They would like feed on private and then the rest of the day they're on public. But it's all about like where on the public are they going? So we we got in on them. And it's like, you know, zero dark 30 in the morning, that sun's starting to creep up. And then I start letting out some calls and I get this bull fired up. And I still remember like I'm calling and I'm like, it's getting closer, right? Like I'm doing some, I'm doing some cow calls, stuff like that. And he's responding, trying to get me to come over to him. And then I let out a challenge bugle and he loses his mind (laughs) and it's foggy, like super dense fog, no wind Gary's in his position. I'm, you know, back a little bit a ways and I'm like hearing this bull and I'm like, it's getting closer. So I just kind of like peek my head out and I kid you not, like out of some national geographic, there is a bull, you know, five by five, at least coming walking directly towards me slowly just like step 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 in the fog and it just like I see it's very faintly when I'm looking to start and then it just slowly gets more and more clear and he's coming right towards me and he's like you know 150 yards out coming through the fog bugling his face off (laughs) and I I just go like, oh my God, and I just go hide and keep my calling sequence going and keep, I'm raking, I'm doing some cow calls, I'm challenge, bu- I'm, you know, bugling over top of him and he's freaking pissed <laughs> and he comes in on a freaking string. So he must've been, he's probably 500, 600 yards away, comes into a string and then Gary, I didn't see it, I didn't see it happen, but Gary, you know, we've talked about this a couple times. I didn't see it happen, but uh, we had this like, Basically, like, if you drew a straight line between me and that bull, um, there was a very clear path kind of, like, through some brush that we thought this bull was going to come to, come through, because we kind of talked about it before I separated and started calling. So, this bull comes in, goes behind a, like, you know, no shot opportunities because there was a bunch of bushes. Gary was kind of, like, behind some bushes. Um, This bull kind of comes into this, like, bush line and then disappears and then You know, and then if he continues coming on that string that he was on, and the very clear, obvious path, he would have been nine yards for Gary. Maybe probably less actually. So Gary goes full draw, and that bull keeps coming, keeps coming, and then Gary's a full draw, like waiting for this bull to pop out, and then he hears the bull behind him. So the bull starts, the bull basically starts barking not at him, but at me, behind him. And so I'm, what am I doing? I'm barking back. I'm, you know, barking back and the bull's freaking angry. He's like, no, show me, show me you like show yourself. And I'm raking and I'm, you know, getting all pissy. So this bull is up behind Gary. So Gary's a full draw and then he hears the bull bark behind him. And he's just like, I can't let off. Right. Cause you know, realistically we hadn't practiced let offs that much. You know, he practice, you draw, you shoot. So he's like I don't even know how jerky the let off is going to be cuz it's pretty hard for him. Um and, and so he just starts turning. So he's a full draw, takes like probably like 45 seconds to turn all the way around and finally he gets eyes on this bull. And the bull's kind of up on the hill and now the bull's kind of like looking like what, what is that bush doing? You know, like <laughs> why what's going on there? And so Gary turns all the way around, there's still a bush in the way of his shot. So he has to like lean back And then without ranging estimates about 40 yards shoots. Misses, or let's just say, doesn't connect where he wants it to. And then that bull kind of like scatters off, turns back around, keeps calling to me. And then Gary knocks another arrow. And then the bull kind of like moves off a little bit more. And then is at 70 yards and Gary draws and then the bull spooks off. So we didn't shoot. Um, so that was the most memorable thing because I called in this bull. Turns out it was not forty yards. It was twenty three yards. Oh, That's shit. the the shot that he had broadside on this bull and missed because he thought it was at forty. so he, we think he shot over its back or just kind of hit no man's land, and the bull's fine because he ran off like he was totally fine. Um, so that was the most memorable elk story was was calling that bull in. Like, that was the first time I got into a bugling match with a bull and, like, called him in on a string. And what's crazy is there's another bull behind him that that actually kind of spooked off because of all the commotion. Um, but I called in two bulls, but that one called him all the way in. He probably got to about 12 yards, but was just behind cover. Ended up at 20, 23 or 24, maybe, was what we, we ranged it at. And, yeah, unfortunately, Gary uh, was not prepared for that shot. What we learned is – always range in a full 360 around you, right? Uh, because he was expecting the bull to go this way. So he ranged a few things in front of him, but didn't range what would happen if that bull zigged instead of zagging and he zigged and and ended up behind him and, and he didn't, didn't shoot accurately. So that was that.
0: I will say anytime that I've screwed up a shot, it's nine times out of 10, I screwed up the range. Either I misranged something or I didn't range something. And I misguessed on the range. So that's usually where I screw up. But, man, that's a good story, dude. I could, like, visualize seeing that elk come through the fog. Dude, good I,
1: it was crazy. It will never – like, it's in my mind. Like, it just – it was, like, from a movie. It was from a movie, just this stoic – bull just just walking slowly and then like i'm literally looking for like where i think i see something i'm like oh and it just gets more and more clear as it just keeps coming through the fog it was crazy That's um awesome. so of course i'm on cloud nine gary's on cloud zero right because yeah. he's dep- he can't believe he missed he's just like I, ah, you know like he was really really banged up from that um and of course i'm just like i can't believe i called it a bull that you know so <laughs> close so that was a crazy time um and then of course I missed my opportunity later in late on the final day of the season. Um, but man, it was what a season. We got had some stories that I'll never forget, and I'm excited to get back out there.
0: Yeah, it makes me want to run up there right now and start beating, yeah. you know. I
1: got but. two cameras that have been so that I just forgot to get. So I got two cameras. The Bears have probably destroyed them by now, but we'll see. Oh, the
0: batteries are dead.
1: Yeah, well, the batteries are definitely dead.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like with that season and even with that moment. You, it's you can't quantify how much you learned in that moment messing with that bull like that's where you learn the most is mm-hmm. through that calling sequence the shot sequence you just learn so much by doing that over and over over again that's what makes you a good hunter yep. yeah yeah let's 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 recap or not recap let's put a cap on this podcast with one final question to you um since you are a newer hunter. Looks like you've you've broken through the barrier where you're starting to figure things out a little bit. You're getting some more confident in hunting. Let my listeners know what would you what's advice would you give to someone that was in your shoes and that might want to do what you're doing now. Is there any good advice? Maybe like your top three.
1: I mean, number one is find a mentor, right? find Find a uh, hunting mentor that can answer the stupid questions that you have about how the heck do you get a tag, right? Like there's all these questions you're gonna ask. Um, Where should I camp? What should I, you know, just all these questions. Find a hunting mentor uh, of some sort. And even if you don't find one, like let's say Kurt launches his idea and, and, and runs it, that's a great thing. But there's probably also a lot of people in your life or someone you know, or someone at the local shop they could just be like, hey, I'm a beginner. Can I, you know, can I pay you to help me? Or can I do some work? Uh, can I mow your lawn? Can I like do something, give them value and then ask in return that they help you with with the, your hunting experience? Because there is no quicker way to shortcut your learning curve than to learn from someone else who has already done it. Especially if you can learn from a master, that is the quickest and easiest way to shorten your learning curve. Um, so I'd say that. Number two, be a student of the game. There are amazing online courses that you can take. Um, you know, Joel Turner, my buddy Joel, who I've met a few times, he has a uh, uh, archery course that teaches you how to shoot without punching the trigger or how, without you know getting shot panic. There's Mark Livesey's course. That talks about how to e-scout for elk. So how you can you can find elky areas uh, from your computer using the internet and Google Maps. Um, Dan Staten is another guy that I know, and he that's all he does is teach people how to get in shape for elk season and how to find and kill elk. Right. So like, there's a lot of resources online. I'm sure there's just as many resources for whitetail deer, for turkey hunting. Like there's there's resources all over the internet. Um, and if you can't find any, just go to YouTube. There's probably someone like me running a business, teaching people how to do hunting in the, uh, you know, in the hunting space that you're trying to get into. Um, so that would be number two. Uh, and then number three, uh, I would say set your expectations or redefine your definition of success, right? If your definition of success is putting an animal down, you are doomed to be depressed. And I've gone through this. There's a couple of times where the only like a hunt, you know, a hunt equal or a successful hunt equals putting an animal down. But if you were to look at me and say, were you successful uh, in 2022 elk season? Absolutely. The amount of of legal bulls that we have within a hundred yards of us, the amount of bugling we got into, the amount of Time I got to spend with my best friend in the woods, like 100% successful season, even though I didn't have the the meat at the end of the season, I had an amazingly successful season. So I'd just say, be very honest with yourself on, on what defines success and make sure that it's not just putting an animal down because that's going to make hunting so much more enjoyable for you.
0: Man, that's that last point is a really good point. And it's really hard because... When people are watching hunting content, they're just seeing people. Right. Big yeah,
1: everyone's putting trophy animals down in two yeah. days.
0: And people that don't hunt, they just think that's what it is. Oh, you just go out for a couple hours and you kill a big animal and that's what hunting is. Like, nope, that's, that's not a reality. And I find myself wrapped up in that too, where I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be successful and I see all my my peers being six, su- you know, quote, air quotes, successful on Instagram and YouTube. On, and if I am not, I'm like, fuck, you right. know, I suck or what am I doing wrong or whatever. Like, I remember you telling me that,
1: like, you almost felt like that's what maybe pressured you to, I don't know if it was to shoot too soon or take a tough shot on that bull. Cause you're like, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a hunting guide. I need to put this bull down. Right. Like, and whether you did or didn't, it's just like, yeah, that pressure of like, what are other people going to think of me? Um, you don't want that shouldn't play any factor into your hunting season, right? You shouldn't be worked up about like, man, what, what am I going to post on Instagram to explain my failure? Or what am I going to, you know, like, I got to get this shot for to, so I can show people how successful of a hunter I am. It's like, no, do do cool stuff. Tell no one, right? That's yeah. I think I'm going to get a shirt made with that. Like that. Do cool shit. Tell no one.
0: Tell no one about it. I like it, man three great points ben and i like the, the last one right well they're all very good. the last one's really good so thanks all right guys this was the western obsessions tv podcast you are listening to ben zawalski with wide prep and i'm your host kurt Belding. thanks for listening and i appreciate i appreciate each and every one of you peace this is the western obsessions tv podcast where hunting's not a hobby it's an obsession